0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice and I'm a Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Today is Thursday, June 6th, 2013. We Today we are reading from the Big Book. We are on page 24. And there is a solution at the bottom of that page beginning with the paragraph when this sort of thinking is fully established. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, June 5th, is 4588. That's 4588. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry this message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Diane to please read the 12 Steps. Good morning. This is Diane from New Hampshire. Go ahead. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 7. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make, make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overreaders and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Thank you, Diane. Thank you very much. I'd now like to ask Margaret H. to please read the 12 tradition.
1: Thank you, Janice. This is Margaret H. in Illinois. Radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book. We are in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. In the chapter, There is a Solution. And we are on page 24, at the bottom of that page, at the beginning of this paragraph, when this sort of thinking is fully established. And today, I would like to ask Penny C. to please get
2: us started. Good morning, everybody. This is Penny C., a recovered compulsive overreader from Massachusetts. When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by lesions of alcoholics throughout history. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop but cannot. Uh, this, what we've been reading so far in this chapter, certainly uh, fits the description of stock and ugly facts. You know, Bill W. painted the picture of the seemingly hopeless. State of mind and body that many many of us I know I did come into ovaries synonymous with that that um those description and but for the grace of god god i don't know where where I or lots of other people with my disease would have gone this um, the whole idea of uh what is this this sort of thinking that he's talking about it's that who cares you know uh, what's the use anyway? Oh, I remember that so well that after years and years of of fighting in the disease that I didn't know was a disease and trying all different ways from starving myself to you know crazy diets, I would read in the various magazines seemed. Uh, Every single magazine on the rack at the supermarket had another way that was sure to help me with the overeating and have me lose, you know, 10 pounds in six days or whatever. And after years and years of that, that's just where I was. You know, what's the use anyway? Why don't I just accept the fact that I'll always be fat, that I'll never be able to control my eating um, why don't I just give in? And, you know, but for the grace of God, you know, almost 26 years ago now, actually next Tuesday is my 26th OA anniversary, um, but for the grace of God, I found OA or, or OA found me, whichever. And um, I would be among those that number. Otherwise, that is, would still be... Into the disease and 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 seemingly hopeless. If I that's if I was still alive. That's if I was still alive today because this is a fatal disease and boy, I know it. So I'm going to um, remember that and uh, thank you everybody for being on the line this morning. With that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Penny. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Katie from Boston. Go ahead, Katie. Good morning, my, vision, my style of vision for you. This is Katie, the compulsive overeater from Boston, Massachusetts, and yeah, I really loved reading this reading this morning. I mean, I am absolutely um, alive today because of the grace of God, and, you know, I spent my entire life looking for somebody to fix me between psychiatrists and medication and For me, it wasn't just compulsive overeating. It was binging and starving and binging and starving. And, I mean, I um, have a father who's a physician, and he sent me to all sorts of psychiatrists and psychologists. I went to um, Malawi, Africa to get abstinent. There was no human power that could relieve my food addiction, you know, absolutely none. I mean, I tried it all, and I... um, you know, I I definitely, without this program, would be dead. I mean, the kind of eating that I was doing at the end with, you know, that pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization of falling asleep again. I, I talk about this a lot, but binging your brains out and falling asleep with food in your mouth and waking up and having the food in your mouth and going after it again. And I was... The thing is, I, I, I couldn't stop from starting, right? Like, food was my drug of no choice. I didn't realize that, that I had... That I put that food into my system and I had no choice. Number one, I had no choice because my brain was telling me it was the only solution that I had. And then when I put that solution into my body, it set up an uncontrollable craving for more. And it didn't matter who you were or what job I had or what relationship I had, I just needed more. You know, I just needed more. And um, I'm so grateful for coming into these rooms and understanding that I have a disease, I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind, um, you know, and and that I have been able to maintain abstinence from addictive and harmful eating behaviors, starving, binging, purging, laxatives, over-exercise, all of the, like, human powers that I look to to fix me, um, you know, and that I had... Um, a spiritual awakening as the result, that that was my solution, that, not my solution, but that was the solution, this A solution that was presented to me um, that helped me find a power greater than myself that could could save my life. I came into this program not because I wanted to, but because it was the last choice I had. I mean, the disease had taken everything from me. And I, you know, I'll close of this, I know that I'm living many, many lifetimes, I, I'm living on borrowed time, and it's a miracle to be alive today. And it's because of this program, because of the abstinence that was passed along to me, and, and and as a result, the result of working the 12 Steps, that I've been able to have, um, you know, freedom. Freedom from the bondage of me, freedom from the food. And that is a complete miracle in my life today. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Well, this yeah. is Madison. Yes, go ahead.
3: Leanne? Hi. Yeah, thank you. Hi, Leanne. Um, Impulsive overeater. Working step nine. I am uh, reminded by this, the part that says, okay, when this this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual, and it reminds me of like the actual physical thing that happens in the brain, I think, when um, the grooves are worn in, like this is the part that convinced me that there was nothing at all in this whole human world that was going to help my brain because it was it was um it was it was stuck you know, the grooves were worn already in of starving binging purging starving that groove was so well worn and it was an actual physical thing that only God could change that, and that helped me believe that I was going to have to follow instructions because um unless i unless I was able to have a lobotomy. There was just no way I was ever going to get out of this. So I started to trust people and believe that God put them in my life and t- start to trust their instructions. And I remember um praying if I didn't like what the instructions were, going to God about it and complaining to him that I really didn't want to do this, but if it's your will then, you know, let this person be even stronger about it. And I would pray for you know, whoever it was in my life at that time giving me the instructions and then I would be able to follow them because I knew I covered it in prayer and I really started to trust God because of this because I saw that really my brain was wrongly shaped that it wasn't able to change on its own to get new pathways of thinking and recovery would um, begin little little paths of thinking that were just like little streams and then the streams would get more worn in and become more of like a river, like like my old thought patterns were like huge rivers in my head, that the water would go freely down there, the thoughts would freely go down, so I had to start changing my um the patterns in my brain, and that was really all god's doing, but it was um a very good convincer um along with believing that I was mentally ill that helped me start um trusting God through other people that he brought in my life. Um yeah, thanks a lot. I pass.
0: Thank you, Leigh Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim Jay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he's probably placed himself beyond human aid. And we have done such a beautiful job this last week talking about this two-fold nature of our disease because in order to be a compulsive of reader, we have to have both aspects of this disease. You know, I have a friend that she has to have chocolate every day. She's got that obsession on her mind all day long, and she comes home, and she has one Hershey kiss a day, and that anxiety goes away, and she's done. So she's got this obsession of the mind about chocolate. She doesn't have an allergy. One Hershey kiss satisfies her, satisfies her. And there's other people that maybe they have an allergy to the body. Maybe they put their hand in a cellophane bag and they're incapable of, of not eating the whole bag, but they make that decision to not eat what's in that cellophane bag and then they're fine. So when this sort of thinking is established as an individual with alcoholic tendencies, so they have the allergy of the body and the, and the obsession of the mind. That is what makes a compulsive over And so many of us think that food and weight is our problem. Food and weight is our problem. And if food was our problem, then we would simply put down the food and the story would be over. If weight was our problem, then the dozens of times I lost weight, the story would have been over. So if we have this twofold nature, we are beyond human aid. Beyond human aid. And how long did I think, if only I had a personal chef, if only I had a personal trainer, if only I could afford this diet program, if I had enough money, if I dated the right guy, maybe if I ha- could afford that surgery that the doctor said saying will cure me. That's all human aid. But even when I came into LA, I still was looking for human aid. Well, maybe if I go to enough meetings. I mean, my first year in program, I went to a meeting every night. Now, I might be binging on my way to a meeting, and I might be binging on my way home, but that hour and a half when I was in the meeting, I felt safe. That's human aid. Well, only if I get the right sponsor. I'm going to sponsor shop. I'm going to have a sponsor of the month, and they're going to strike me abstinent. Well, maybe if I do enough tools. But the fact is, that's still human aid. We the steps is what's going to give us a spiritual experience. And by working the steps, of course we're going to get a sponsor. Of course we're going to make phone calls. Of course we're going to go to meetings. But they are tools in order to build the program of recovery, which is the steps and a spiritual awakening. In and of themselves, meetings and sponsors and tools are human aid. And we're being told here, until we know we are beyond human aid, we are not going to chase the true solution, which is in spiritual awakening, with the fervor and the veracity in which we need to. And with that I pass. Thank you, Kim. Well this is Janice and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, so when this sort of thinking when this sort of thinking is firmly established, you know, that that phrase, when this sort of thinking reminds me so well of my sort of thinking when I was in the disease of compulsive overeating. Prisoner, caught in that way of thinking. You know, I was without defense, I am without defense against the first drink, against the first bite. So when the food is down, when I am not ingesting any of the foods that trigger that phenomenon of craving, I'm still without defense. You know, I'm still without defense. I am in a way of thinking. You know, the big book says the delusion had to be smashed. That way of thinking was not based in reality. It was not based in reality because hundreds, hundreds of experiences have shown me Thousands of experiences had showed me that the thinking that said to me, this time it will be different, this time it will be different, was what got me to pick up again and again and again. You know, the alcoholic may say, in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or it says he may not think at all. He may not think at all. About those thousands of times when it didn't work. When it didn't work. So what kind of a defense is that? None. No defense against that first drink. So the solution, there is a solution in this chapter, is teaching me, showing me, paragraph by paragraph, sentence by sentence, the kind of thinking that was firmly established in me the kind of thinking that led me over and over and over again to pick up. You know, and when that kind of thinking was firmly established in me, that kind of a person that I was with those alcoholic tendencies, you know, there was was nothing that was going to help me. Although I went back over and over and over again to the things that weren't going to help me. One more diet club, one more appointment with my doctor, one more therapy appointment, one more uh, uh, physical trainer, one more place where it didn't work. But I kept going back again and again to those same things that didn't work. It says these stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. You know, there were other people like me suffering the way I was suffering. And but for the grace of God, I would have stayed in that place. But somehow, some way, I was able to grab hold. You know, I was able to be in that place where you taught me, where you showed me, where you cracked this big book open and showed me paragraph by paragraph, page by page, sentence by sentence, how I was like this. And it was my decision to see it or not to see it. It was up to me to look closely, hear closely, and identify in, and if I identified in, you told me here was the solution, and with that I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Marjorie, Rose, this is Paula, Leah. I heard Rose, Paula, Leah, Marjorie. Marjorie, thank you, thank you. Let's go with Rose.
4: Thank you, Janice. This is Rose, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. Um, two things here. Uh, on the first sentence, when this sort of thing is fully established, and in, when this sort of thinking, and the thinking they're referring to from the last paragraph is, what's the use anyhow? As well as the other things. But what's the use anyhow? Um, is is where I was. What what was the use? At, that's that's where I was. Um, before I was um, struck with the grace of God, what was the use of trying? What was the use of taking more pills? What was the use of trying to figure out uh, another way to control the weight and control the food and control the calories and control the people and control my life and control all the circumstances with or without God, uh, depending upon my my how much I've binged or whatever was going on, what was the youth, anyhow, and that is inside of that was inside of me that was me and then I just want to go to the last sentence in the paragraph we read <clears throat> because this is what is what happened to me um when I went from an insane, hopeless, helpless um out of control, binging food addict. But for the grace of God and the way um I I can describe the gift of desperation that was given to me that seemingly hadn't been given to hundreds and thousands of others. That was given to me it's the second verse in amazing grace, it hit me a couple of weeks ago. It says, 'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace My fears relieved. God gave me the grace of the gift of desperation to be jolted out of that seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. He gave me the grace to be jolted out of it, shocked out of it, and then really catapulted into the first step of admitting in my guts I was Powerless over this disease, powerless. I had nothing. And at that moment, like his power flowed in, and his grace, my fears of never recovering were relieved, and I was set on the path of working the 12 steps. Thank you, Janice. I'll pass. Thank
0: you, Rose. Go ahead, Paula. Thank you. This would be Paula, recovered compulsive florida. I'm just going to hit that line these dark and ugly facts. You know, I think of a, a tree in the winter. There's nothing to cover it. There's no of no, the beauty of the green and the colors and in the fall, the multicolors. But no, there's nothing here. It's finally there, and you see it as it
5: is. But more so,
0: what I saw in my own life. And you can identify here, perhaps with some of these things that have been said about the alcoholic. But even more so, we're going deeper here. My own body, my own organs were crying out. My pancreas, that I would flood with sugar. Oh, it would work so hard to try to keep up. So you think I'd give it a break? Oh, no, honey. More. And finally it stopped. It finally stopped. couldn't keep up what about the heart what about the heart that when you decided well I'm gonna eat anything no I will eat everything what does that do to the heart the very heart of me I was destroying what person that's saying will do that oh what about the bones osteoporosis sugar robs the bones the very bones that held me up but wait I haven't even begun These are the stark and ugly facts. The mind, the mind that would say, no, no, no. And yet the hand that would grab more and put more into the mouth to fill something that could not be filled. But may I end here. For here was truly a beginning, but for the grace of God. And there it is. There would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. And here we are on the line. But for the grace of God. Thank you for allowing me to share and with that. I do fast.
4: Thank
5: you, Paula. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much, Janice. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual's alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid and, unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. And, uh, you know, when I look at, when it says, when this sort of thinking, you know, it just reminds me that more than my compulsive overeating uh, had to be arrested, you know, it went far beyond the physical, obviously, the greater aspect of the disease resided between my two ears, my own philosophy of life, my ideas, uh, my belief system, my attitudes on life, Uh, had to be confronted and overhauled, my thinking, all action is born in thought. If my thinking is twisted and if my thinking is distorted and if my thinking is self-centered, then my actions are going to reflect that. Certainly they reflected that by my continuation of digging my fists into bags and boxes and containers. Um, But even when the substance is down, obviously, we are still left with the mind. So the mind has to be addressed. When this sort of thinking is fully established, an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid. I mean, what the book is suggesting is that short of a higher power relationship, little can be done to save a real compulsive overeater from the grip of his or her disease. And that's exactly where the 12 steps come in. You know, the secret of the 12 steps is that it is possible to effectuate such a dramatic change in personality and in character and in values. And that's what the steps are are for. You know, if the greater aspect of my disease is my thinking, uh, what are we going to do about that? Well, that's exactly what the steps are all about. That's exactly <laughs> what the steps are all about to allow us and lead us to a relationship uh, with a power greater than ourselves. Because this power greater than myself has delivered me from another power greater than myself, the obsession of the mind. So once we admit, step one, that we're powerless over food and that our lives have become unmanageable, we realize, like this paragraph says, uh, that to continue compulsive overeating means... Torture. It means suffering. It means disaster. It means possible death and, and permanent insanity. Uh, so does relying on myself to stop compulsively overeating. Neither of those, <laughs> neither of those, are going to work. Continuing to compulsively overeat, door number one, that ain't working. Trying to stop on my own willpower, on my own determination, on my own self knowledge and intellect, that didn't work. So if I know I can't rely on myself, and I know that to continue to eat means death or insanity, then my choice is narrowed down to either relying on some power greater than myself or being doomed to a compulsive overeater's death. And the big book is going to tell me that those are not easy alternatives to face, but they're the only ones a real compulsive overeater's got, because there is no door number three. So if you truly want to recover from the illness of compulsive overeating, you have to have a spiritual experience. Certainly was true for me, and it's true for those of us on the line here that are real compulsive overeaters. But through the taking of the 12 steps, we can be relieved of the obsession for food and restored to sanity. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
6: Thank you, Leah. Go ahead, Marjorie. Good morning. This is Marjorie, Recovered compulsive overeater. This sort of thinking was fully established in me, and I look back at what the history has been just preceding my being born and where I am now, because this book was written before World War II. I was born shortly after World War II. The people who would have read this book just before World War II, knew that world where there were mental hospitals, where people went permanently insane. They cracked open. They ended up being locked up in mental hospitals. During my lifetime, some of those people were released. They had no way of living on the outside because they had lived in those hospitals for years and years and years fast forward to the years after world war two when pharmaceuticals developed so by the time i came along and began to address my food addiction my obesity there were two options i could be locked up or i could have pharmaceuticals nowadays people get locked up for short periods of time and then they're released on pharmaceuticals and Who knows what it will be like 10 or 20 years from now. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. And somewhere along the line, the message, the same message that was given to the alcoholics, got through to compulsive overeaters. But for the grace of God, there would not be 220 people on this line this morning. But for the grace of God, there would not be more than 220 people who are addressing their compulsive overeating using the instructions of the big book. I am part of something that is absolutely historically a phenomenon but for the grace of God. It gives me the chills. Thanks for listening. I'm passing. Thank you, Marjorie. Would anyone else
0: like to share in this paragraph before we move on? All right, then. I will ask Kathy Kaye to please read the next paragraph for us.
7: Thank you, Janice. This is Kathy uh, from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm a recovered, compulsive overeater. Good morning, everyone. Uh, there is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it when therefore we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved there was nothing left for us to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet we have found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed Well uh, there's a lot in here and i would like to um, comment uh, on that first sentence. None of us like the self-searching, the leveling of pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires. When I first read that many, many years ago, um, I, I kind of had, I would say, a chip on my shoulder as I had been in therapy many times before I got to the 12-step rooms. And I figured if I can um, do therapy and develop the kind of insight into myself that I thought I had developed, then I'm probably halfway there and I'm not really as um, unprepared for this work as some people might be. Um, I combined that with uh, um, comparing my outsides with other people's outsides. And at that time, too, I was not obese. I just had some extra weight to lose. And um, these two beliefs were actually part of my disease thinking. Um, Because you can see I had no conception of a higher power the uh, self-searching i had done i had done with a, another human being a professional therapist but without the help of god or a higher power and um, as i look back on those many years of my quest for self-knowledge um, what we know today as we read the big book is, is that self-knowledge Um, gets us nowhere. Um, And uh, it took me quite a few years to recognize that um, the self-searching had to be done in partnership with a higher power. And um, that took me quite a few years to come to accept. Um, I, I tend to think of myself as a slow learner when it comes to to my program of recovery um, and I'm so glad I stayed around because you all told me keep coming back until the miracle happens um, and the more I witnessed other people's transformation the more hope I developed that I too um, could find a solution and that it was laid out very very clearly for me in this book and Most importantly, I didn't have to do it alone. I would have the help of a sponsor, a fellowship, a set of tools, and a relationship with my higher power. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kathy. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Kim. Thanks, Janice. I'll tell you, this: these first 100, they're, they're clever, aren't they? You know, for so long, you know, even in a I thought, what do I have to do? Where is that solution? And they're so clever. They hid the solution in a chapter called There is a Solution. And then on page 25, they put There is a Solution in italics. And yet people search and search. Where is the solution? They're so clever. So what is the solution? Because almost none of us Like to self-searching. The leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcoming, which this process requires requires for a successful consummation. That, par- that sentence summarizes the steps. The self-searching, steps four and five. The leveling of our pride, steps six and seven. The confession of shortcomings, steps eight and nine. And this process requires it. You know, we often talk about the suggestion of recovery, the suggestion of the 12 steps, and that's absolutely right. You can come into LA and you never have to do a step, never. But if you decide to do this program, if you make that decision to do the 12 steps, there is a lot that is required. There are 67 musts in the first 164 pages of this text, 67 musts, and there are nevers and there are alls and successful consummation, successful consummation. What does that mean? Go to page 84, it talks about what it means to be recovered. That's the aim, that is the goal, a sense of neutrality, the problem being removed, not fighting anything or anyone. If you are not feeling that, if your experience does not line up with those 10 step promises, my suggestion is to go back to the steps, look at these directions, do what is required and you will get that experience. You know, I think it's, it's kind of funny when we think about, you know, are our meetings concentrating on a solution? And so often when I go in a meeting, how do people qualify? I am abstinent for 67 days. I am abstinent for three years, four days, 16 hours, and three minutes. Or I'm down 30 pounds. I'm down 50 pounds. So once again, even in the meetings, the way we talk about it, food and weight is our problem. Addressing the food and weight is our solution, and that's how we qualify. I would love it if someone came in and said, Hi, my name is Kim, and I'm on step five. My name is Susie, and I just finished step three. I made that decision, and then we started clapping. Instead of so clapping because someone after 20 years has seven days. Not that I'm discounting that miracle, but the solution, again, is in the steps. Abstinence gives us access to it, but abstinence isn't the goal is isn't the aim. It is what is required in order to do these steps. And so often when I make phone calls and when people call, you know, call me and ask questions, I ask, what step are you working on? And people are offended. Offended. Well, why is that in your business? We have a 12-step program. The 12 steps are the solution. The 12 steps are our focus. And on this page, it is reminding us again there is a solution. I'm going to read it one time, more time. What is that solution? Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which this process requires for a successful confirmation. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, there is a solution. You know, thank God, there is a solution. Because what we've been studying here, what this, what we've been brought
8: to here,
0: I don't know if you're a compulsive overeater like me, if you're like my type, but they kept telling me over and over again, laying it out for me. Are you like us? They kept asking me that question, allowing me to identify in And here they're saying, almost none of us like the self-searching. We are all oh so human. Thank God they put that in here that I could relate and identify in. We are all oh so human. Maybe we didn't like the process as we looked at it, as we stood there. But why was I going to grab hold? Because they had carefully, thoughtfully laid out Exactly who I was and what I was up against, and allowed me to identify in. You know, I have written here, lowest ebb is the turn of the tide. And I had to get to that lowest ebb. I had to see who I was and what I was up against by reading the exact things they'd been laying out for me. I kept saying, oh no, that's me. Oh man, that's me. Oh, I'm like that. Oh, yes, that's me. And they just kept inviting me in. See if I could relate. Inviting me in, laying it out, showing me what the kind of thinking was established, what the physical manifestations of the disease was. And they let me decide that I was indeed like this. But I saw in that most desperate state that it really worked in others, that there were other people who had something I did not. So therefore, when I was approached by someone in whom the solution had been found, I could see there was hope there, that they were like me. And if they were like me, then perhaps I could do what they were doing and get what they got. But it took more than just a decision. It took more than just relating to what was written here in this book. I had to make a commitment and then move ahead and take action. And they told me what that action was going to consist of. That I was going to confess my shortcomings. That I was going to look deeply and honestly at myself. That I was going to have a process to follow. And that process was going to be Mm -hmm. the 12 steps. And that process was going to bring me the experience of God. It was going to bring me the experience of God. Thank you for that. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph?
8: Hi, this is Judy. I'd like to share.
0: This is Sharon.
8: Judith.
0: Sharon, Judith, and there were other people. Dana. Julie, Dana, Dana. Okay, we'll start with Julie.
8: Go ahead, Julie. Hi, this is Julia Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And um this paragraph just speaks vol volume. Um I used to be one like that. I would say, Hi, I'm Julia a uh, recovering critical level food addict and I'm down hundred and fifty pounds or hundred, depending where I was in my relapse. Um I never said I'm working my inventory or I'm making amends. Um and when I came back, thank God, um, to program this past November and actually got to understand um, that there was a solution. And the, this time when I did that inventory, to see those things in my life, um, how ego I allowed, ego to to run my life. I got to see my shortcomings, all of these things, you know, and when I would read before um, people were rocketed in the fourth dimension, I used to kind of like snicker because I never understood what that meant. And I understand what it means today. It's I am free from from being that person that I was chained to. Um, I, I don't live in dishonesty anymore. Um, I don't live in fear of how much I'm going to eat and how much I'm going to replace. I don't live in fear... How am I going to manipulate the money? How I'm going to justify my actions? Um, To me, this tells me exactly what I had to do. I never thought I had to confess my shortcomings because, you know, I was an okay person. I never beat anybody up. But I I have had this uh, transformation. And I, I can honestly say that I know what that means now, being rocked into the fourth dimension. It means that I am that that authentic Julie again, and you know the weight loss is great. I'm not going to deny that, but that is such a, a one part of my my um, solution, right? That's one part of my program. It's an important part because I can't be leveling my pride. I can't look into my defects if I'm shoving food down. But now it's it's interesting, and I had a dear friend of mine and and She's always say, Julie, you always say how much weight you lost and I never really got it until now. I don't say it anymore. And it just happened kind of by itself. So yeah, you know, I'm glad that there's that paragraph in italics, there is a solution because um I'm I got to feel it, I'm in it, and um I love it. So thank you. I pass. Thank
0: you, Julie. Did I hear Dana? Yes, hi. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Dana, Recovered Compulsive Eater and Bulimic in Dallas, Texas. I love this paragraph. I call it the squiggly writing. You know, when something's in squiggly writing, it's probably important. Um, And, um, you know, we've spent all this time from the, you know, the first page and the doctor's opinion and Bill's story, you know, laying out the hopelessness of the disease um, and now knowing that and seeing how hopeless it is, they're telling us but what here's the solution um I was just reading this with the girl that I'm taking through the steps, you know, and we were, I was saying, yeah, it's this process of the steps isn't always easy, you know it's it's uncomfortable, but remember um you know i I ate to bring that ease and comfort. And, um, I kind of had to go through this uncomfortable process in order to get to the true ease and comfort, which is a relationship with God. And what I was thinking as people were sharing and also, um, right before I went to sleep last night, I, I got a call from someone, I spoke to a recovered person and then I got right after that, I got a call from a person who's very, you know, struggling with the disease and, um, you know, if the objective we have to know what our objective is. You have to know what your goal is. You know, I just ran a half marathon last month for the first time. So my goal was to be able to finish the half marathon. So I had to go through do the things I needed to do in order to get that. Right? I I um when you when you have when you know what your objective is Then you can can know what you need to do to attain that objective. You find the people. So I, I spoke to people who ran half marathons and marathons to teach me how to do that. just did a triathlon on Sunday. I had to go to people who, that was my objective, to finish the race. I spoke to people who had done it before, who knew what it was like to go through that finish line. So what's my objective here? Is my objective to lose weight? If my objective is to lose weight, go on a diet. You know, we know how that works. Eventually, you're going to go off the diet. My objective is to recover from a hopeless state of mind and body. That's what my objective is to get, gain access to a power greater than myself because my, pow, my problem is a lack of power. That's the problem. My, my pipeline to the source, to the, is, I have a power outage. My objective is to regain power. And the book is telling me exactly how to do that. That's the point of the book. Losing weight is not the point of the book. Losing weight is a byproduct of being abstinent. You know, you abstain from the foods that you, this is how I understand it, abstain from the foods that I know that are my alcohol, the foods and food behaviors that trigger the allergic reaction that makes me want more and not be able to stop and then I need to get my head in that book and go through the steps physically, go through them. If my weight is not in a healthy range, I need to eat less of the foods that I can eat. You know, and as, you know, as Lori talks about this, it's that, that's, that's going to be a byproduct. The objective is to is to get rid of that insanity, which I can't do and you can't do. No human power, as someone said before. So I had to do what was what was what is listed in this book, and that's what it's telling me. Almost none of us like the leveling of our pride, all that stuff that we have to go, but we saw that it worked in others. It solved the problem. So I had, that's what this meaning does for us is you get on the line and you hear recovered person after recovered person after recovered person. And when I came to this meeting, it was after saying to a friend of mine, being in a way for many years, being in a thin body, and saying, I don't feel recovered I lost the weight, but I didn't feel recovered. Why? Because I hadn't gone through this process in this way. I've done the process, but I didn't fully understand the problem. And once I did that, I am in that space. I had never in all the years that I've been in OA and in the many factions of OA and in the many forms of abstinence and in a thin body and in going through the steps in a variety of ways, I never felt that description of the recovered state neither cocky nor afraid, not running to it, not running away from it. It was only by going through exactly the directions in the book with a recovered person that I got to this place. So when you see the hopelessness and futility of your situation and you see people with whom the problem has been solved, what's the problem? Lack of power, lack of human power then do what they do. And that's what we're here to teach you and show you and grab onto someone and let them be your tour guide. I'm very grateful I did, and I'm very grateful that I get to take people on the tour so that they can have this experience as well. And with that, I pass.
7: Thank you, Dana. Go ahead, Sharon.
0: Good morning. Thank you, Janice. And good morning to all on the line. This is Sharon and I am from Minnesota and recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God. What I would what I am uh, seeing in this paragraph, it reminds me of the fact that when I I had a lot of of spiritual um growth, yet I was a compulsive overeater. It says that um, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation, and I couldn't understand why. As a, I was I was very spiritual. I prayed, I meditated, yet I was a compulsive overeater. I went to to meetings, I studied spiritual materials, I had the spiritual life, I thought, yet for all my praying and seeking God for recovery, I couldn't get recovered. And it wasn't until I came into the rooms, until I came to this program, until I began to work the, the the 12 steps of this recovery. And I see myself a little bit like Dr. Bob as opposed to as like Bill, whereas Bill was an atheist or agnostic. Dr. Bob was actually working from a spiritual point of view trying to get recovery. He was working. He had some of the steps, yet he couldn't get recovery. Why was that? And when he met Bill, Bill brought with him uh, uh, something that when he gave it to Bob, a light bulb went on in Bob and he could grasp hold of the same things he was doing before but with a different twist. What Bill brought to Bob was the acceptance that we had a disease we have a disease and that disease is twofold it's that um, allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind when Bob caught hold of that he realized that he had a physical problem a physical it was a twofold it was critical to understand that Many come to the rooms, very spiritual, more spiritual, uh, with with all sorts of spiritual knowledge, and I'm going to I would say that it is very, very the pit of hell that you live in when you are in touch and have a relationship with a higher power, yet you cannot get recovery, yet you cannot receive that power into your life and you know that power is there you know that power has the ability yet you wake up the next morning having once again uh surrendered to that food what a hell you live in what a hell i lived in and it wasn't until i came into the rooms and accepted this program accepted that there is a solution and it isn't it wasn't clear to me when i started why i couldn't on my own out there with god with my higher power pray meditate and and be in the spirit and get recovery it wasn't until i came into the rooms with you with the fellowship of those who shared my common problem and my common solution it wasn't until there was a we in my program, and I look at this paragraph, and it is the thing that pops out of me so strongly. We saw, we had, we were, we have, we had, we, 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 we. It's not I anymore. It's not me. It's we. Without you, there is no me. I have no life without the relationships that I have in these rooms with these people. When I get off of that ship, I don't go my own way and live my own life again. I stay with the fellowship of those who are have the common solution because it's together that we recover. It's in this relationship. It's with my fellows that I continue to be strengthened and encouraged to deal with the onslaught of the challenges because this disease, I, I'm recovered, but I still uh, have the problem underneath it all. I have the grace of recovery every day, every moment. But if I don't stick with this tool, with this tool, the tools of recovery that I have here, It says that we take up these tools, the spiritual kit of simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. As I live that and pick that up and work that with you, I can stay one day at a time and I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Well, I see we're at our time to close here this morning. I'm I'm sorry for anyone who wanted to share who did not get an opportunity. Please come back tomorrow morning and share your experience, strength, and hope with us. Thank you to everyone today who has shared. Thank you to Penny C. and Kathy K and Esther and Katie for being in the lineup with me, to Diane and Margaret for reading the steps and traditions, and for everyone who shared. Thank you for a beautiful meeting. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Esther,
6: could you read that for us, please? Good morning. My name is Esther, Compulsible Reader in Canada. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order